All right, everybody. I have a special guest today. I got sweetness on the podcast, aka Kelly Washington, my wife. Look, I've been I've been trying to talk to my wife for like years about her gift in cooking, and she's shaking her head right now as we talk about it. Because if if you've ever had the pleasure to have any of her uh, meals, especially the peach cobbler, you know she has a gift. If you follow her on Facebook. Every other post is a great uh, recipe or something. You know she has a gift. And so after after talking to her and begging her to come on the podcast, she decided to come on. So thanks, sweetie. Reluctantly. Thank, thank you for having me. This is so funny. <laughs> So look, look, y'all, I, I, what, what, I, what I'm wanting to show her is there are a lot of people out here, including myself, that, that just want to learn how to cook. You know, I, um, we're all busy. We have busy schedules. But we all know that, A, cooking helps save you money and is more healthier. And she has a gift. So where I want to go, where I want to go, sweetness is the beginning. Like, so, you know, when we first, when we first got, well, let's, let's go to the very beginning. For y'all who know Kelly, y'all know about grandma. And so and so grandma is her dad's mom, and she is like an amazing cook. T- tell them a story about grandma when y'all Which went to one? The, the, the anyone. The, what, what about the one where y'all went when she when she got Ayana? Uh oh, my grandma. Well, let me start off by saying both of my grandmothers influenced me by cooking. The only difference being um talking about two black women, you know, um, that lived through some things and, and you know, post-segregation and pre-segregation. So both of them worked in some capacity, domestic capacity. Both of them could cook. The only difference in them, I would say, is my grand-grand, which is my mother's mother, love her dearly. She can cook. She It may have not been her passion, but she can do it. It was something she knew how to do. But grandma, and not grandma, it's grandma. That's my dad's mother she loved to cook like it just was who she it just embodied who she was um so the story there's so many but with one that he's referring to that Phillip's referring to is uh my grandmother my grandma she is from memphis tennessee so anybody who's familiar with southern cooking understands you have different regions of southern cooking so this is not you know texas this is you're talking memphis so this is deep south so one of the things that she made that is simple, really, but it just is so good is, is skillet corn. And it is just amazing. So it's one of my favorite dishes. So my niece, which is her great-granddaughter, finally got a chance to go see her when she was about five or six. We, we rode up north because she lived in the Midwest. And um, my grandmother, a typical Southern Belle, had a full-on Thanksgiving meal waiting for us. But it was just like a Wednesday. But this is how she cooks all the time, in abundance heavy southern food not greasy just good to the heart so we were all eating and uh i remember ayana that's my niece asking for a second helping of the, of the corn and i remember looking at her saying that corn is good isn't it she said mm-hmm. and i think about the third round of corn 
you know, we didn't notice that she had just slipped out of nowhere. She just disappeared. And mind you, this is like a five-year-old who, this is her first time meeting her grandmother, her great-grandmother, um, you know, first time in the home. And we kind of all stopped and mid-conversation and was looking for this child. This child found the back bedrooms and had laid her own self out, <laughs> unbuttoned her pants and unzipped it, and was on her back with her mouth open, uh, snoring. And we were all cracking up saying, down goes Frazier, because that's my grandmother. And my grandmother looked at me and winked and said, God, I did not kill you. Because that's her whole intention. Grandma wants to take you out. She, <laughs> she wants to feed you to the point that you go comatose. So that, that's one funny story. So, and, 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 I, and I wanted to tell that story to, to give the backdrop because basically when, when, we, when we first got married, um, you know, we, we were obviously young. And, um, and you just start off like turning into grandma early, early on. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, one of the first meals you cooked, uh, and I've been blessed to have a lot of them, uh, didn't, didn't turn out so well. It didn't. We just going to leave it at that. <laughs> we're not gonna go into all that yeah i can cook survival wise but i couldn't cook cook so when did you when did you start feeling like hey I'm, i definitely want to like when did you get that bug it just i don't know a maturity i think sets in i just think for women my age and maybe younger we came up in the era where you know again my grandmothers they trade they, they blaze the trail in the sense of understanding you know being good caretakers but they also instilled in their daughters and then and again that with my mother and then going forward um more of a career you know drive so i got all that you know i came up in you know the 80s and 90s where it was all about independence and so i think um my focus growing up was always on that and i really didn't appreciate um the art of cooking or see you know what it what a big deal it is, especially for family and bringing people together and respecting the art that it is and the African traditions that are introduced into it. You know, food ties people, it connects people. But anyways, I didn't, I didn't really appreciate it, I think, until I matured. Um, so I would have to say probably about late 20s was when it became something that just wasn't something I had to do, but something I liked to do and got more curious about it and questioning what, why I cook the way I cook, where does this stuff come from, you know things of that nature. Mm -hmm. and, and so where, where I, I want to start, um, you know, kind of on a, on, a, on a teaching front is, so, so we don't know when, but let's imagine you started saying, okay, I have a you know, family, I got a career, I want to learn how to cook. Like what was the first step you took to, to start really getting into it? I think my, my mom, let me shout her out because that's my direct influence. Um, she used to tell me when you get hungry enough and tired of eating the same thing, you'll learn. But, you know, after a while, I kind of realized that although she instilled all the, you know, career drive pep talks with me, most of those conversations took place in the kitchen. And she would call me into the kitchen to talk to me because that's where she had to be a lot of times, you know, and she's, you know, that first generation of having to work and cook. And I can remember my mama coming home, you know, at five o'clock having to cook dinner and we not eating till seven. And now I feel bad because as a kid, I'm looking at her like, hurry up. But now I see that balance is very difficult. You know, my grandmother's different difference for them. You know, they stayed in the kitchen more so. But anyways, um, those lessons and a lot of pep talks about just life and, and things. And I realized that she strategically also did that because what was happening was I'm repetitively watching her do something over and over. So then once I kind of got um, 
you know, my fears out the way and went in the kitchen and started trying stuff because you got to try, you know, you got to fail a few times. I would call her and say, I don't know why I know how to do this. Is, is this what I saw you do? And she would chuckle and say, yes, yes. Now you're off on this part. And yep, this is what you got to do. So, so um, I don't know if that answers. Yeah, you know, it, it, it answers. So, and, 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 and I, I'm going to frame it up and let you kind of take it from here. Cause like, for example, this morning, you know, or just, it's always any meal. You'll, I'll say, Hey, sweetness, how do I, how do I do this? And you'll say, put a little bit of dash of this, a little bit of dash of that, a little bit of dash of this. And you just like rattle it off. Like it's nothing while you're doing 2 million other things. How, how did you like get to that? Cause, cause at this point you make it seem effortless and I'm trying to break down, you know, how, you know, how you got uh, to the point to where you don't like, you just like, it's in your soul. Fail, failing and maturing. So at first I relied on brains. And one thing I remember about my grandmother saying, grandma, one time I called her when I still had her with me in my 20s. And the thing about it was um, I was asking for increments, measurements. And she was, like you said, dash of this, taste of that. And she basically said in, in her own country saying, you read real well, but you can't follow simple stuff. And she called me a box cooker. So that offended me. You know, but that's how she was. You know, she'd tell you straight up. But, you know, she put sugar on it. So, it, you know, now sugar, you know. And so um, I want to say, I think for me, it was just taking those recipes passed down from what I call all my mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, mothers, um, trial and error, and then stealing and borrowing and swapping. One made, you know, my peach cobbler, infam uh, infamous peach cobbler recipe that you referenced, that's my grand-grand's recipe. She was known for that. But watching my grandmother do it, watch the other one, watching what she did, and stealing and swapping their techniques, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But after you do something so many times and you start trying and, re and, and trying other recipes, stuff that you find online, you start developing what your taste likes. And after a while, I could, you, you just do it so long that you after a while, you can spot what a half a cup looks like. Mm. Um, and then these are country girls you're talking about. So some things are like a cap of this, you know, a pinch of this. Uh, hit it till it tastes right. Um, so after a while, I'll just joke and say, it's just in my spirit now. So I just feel it in my soul. I know when it, you know, by smell, mm -hmm. by texture, color. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. that's basically what you're doing. And, and one thing that I noticed that you do, you know, we have a friend named, uh, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more, but we have a friend, uh, Karen, uh, who, who mother shows you how to make pralines. Hey, Karen. Hey, Mama Roby. <laughs> And what I notice is once you get a recipe, you'll like do it multiple times, uh, you know, pretty close to when you learned it. What, what, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the repetition helps as well. It does. And one thing about, um, I noticed that myself when, with Mama Roby. Hey, Mama Roby, this is such a sweet lady. When I tell y'all this lady's pecan pralines or pralines, however you pronounce it, they are amazing. And it's such a um, non-complicated recipe. But she kind of gave, this is a woman who can cook. So when she had to teach me again, she's kind of giving me a figurative amount, you know, portions. But all I did was just watch what she did and, and kind of looked at the consistency. So when it was, when she did it and I shadowed her, she looked at me and said, spot on. Because, you know, you're talking with somebody who cooks and following another person that cooks. So um, I did it. But the thing is, I did it one time with her there. Anybody who cooks knows then you have to do it again and repeat and mess it up a few times and get it down and then tweak it and put your twist on it, which is what I did. Mm -hmm. That's what you got to do with all recipes to really make them stick. Um, the other person that I really, really want to recognize, two other people, 
uh, marrying, you know, you and learning more of a Creole form, you know, and that's the beauty of cooking is everybody when you blend families, you incorporate so many different styles. So same with your mother, your mother's first person I watched make gumbo. That was so, you know, we were in our early, I wasn't cooking then. Mm -hmm. That just seemed like a mountain that I would never be able to defeat. And the fact that it just is easy to me now is crazy. So thanks to her and your and your um, aunt, Aunt Penny, hey, mother-in-law and Aunt Penny. Um, so yeah, watching them, both of them have doing it the same on some things, but different on the others and blend it. And then you just, you have, it's kind of like flying. You have to be the co-pilot with them for a while. She started me with just prepping, cut this up, do that. And then after a while, say, okay, I got to do a solo without them or you haven't mastered it yet. So. Yeah. And, and the most impressive part about that is you actually make your own roux, which it ain't I mean, hard. It, I swear it's not hard. It, look, it looks hard to it's me. It's just um, intimidating. That's what it is. It's, it, people are, you get intimidated by it, but it's it's not hard at all. And, it, and guess what? It's just flour and grease. So if you mess up, throw it out and start over. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what you have to tell yourself. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and then, and so what, um, um, I kind of want to break this down w one more step, because you, you've been, I mean, you like to actually like read books on cooking and and the history of um, the different cultures that go into it. So um, you were telling me something about like African culture and how it's infused in soul food. Can you kind of go? Well, that I draw on from my father. My father uh, instilled a, a big, huge sense of pride um, in knowing and understanding my culture and being proud of it. And unfortunately, I think with the story of African-Americans in particular, um, Slavery has robbed us a lot of a cultural identity. So I started researching um, culinary historians, people you know who are out there that are working chefs and culinary artists in the field that actually have traced the form of Southern cooking, i.e. soul food, I'll call it Southern food, um, to its predecessors in Africa, because you know the African slaves were a huge contribution to what we call Southern cooking. Yes, there is other cultures that had an influence as well, but you, you can't have it without the thumbprint of the Africans. So it's been really, really um, a great learning experience to be researching this information because you then see correlations of what we would call soul food or Southern food and how things were cooked in Africa and how you basically see, you see a group of people who were brought here that didn't have the same foods and ingredients, how they use what was there on the land and things that they were able to take with them from Africa and cooking styles and things. So yeah, that, that's. And what's like an example of something that we kind of care, you know, that that's in, that we took from Africa and infuse it into. Definitely gumbo. Gumbo is, when I say that's like a thumbprint of Africa and I, I know when we, one of our trips to New Orleans, one thing when we went to that class that I have always remembered is the word gumbo is rooted in a West African language. Um, I believe it was King Gumbo, which translates, translates to okra. And anybody who knows food knows okra comes from Africa. So that, um, I always think it's funny how some things are just little things that you say, I wonder why, like my whole family knows I'm in love with sweet potatoes, I always have loved sweet potatoes. It is something that I literally, back to grandma, I love them so much. When I graduated college, my grandmother overnighted me a pan of her <laughs> and I was rationing them, like holding on to them like they were gold because, and I remember coming to my apartment in the whole building saying, we don't know what this was that was shipped here with Express, but it is smelling divine and the whole office smells so good. But um, just to hear that, um, you know, that 
its grandmother is the yam and how quintessential that is to West African diet, especially Nigerian. Um, and then you, you know, in further research learning that during slave trade, they actually targeted certain groups, you know, based off of their size, you know, and the yam, anybody, you know, Nigerian will tell you that yam, they, they, that's some strong people right there. So there's regions um, in the southern portions of the United States where they sought after Nigerians because they, their diet was, had a lot of yam. These were big, strong people to do this work. So, you know, you and I know our joke is once I finally do this DNA test, I just, <laughs> in my soul, I feel I'm Nigerian because me and the yam, you know, plantains, I love that too. So and that, does that answer that question mm -hmm. for you? Yep, yep. And so now we'll go through the last five questions I ask everybody. If you can go back and talk to 22-year-old Kelly, what would you tell her? To understand that cooking does not make you some form of uh, domestic lesser. Cooking is an art um, that should be passed down. Cooking brings people together. Um, it is, even if you, you don't have to love it, you don't even have to like it, but it's good to at least have that skill, just even for your own health, so that you're not dependent on um, fast food and somebody else preparing it and your money. I mean, it's not only better for you, you physically, but financially, it's a survival skill. One day you may need to take care of yourself. You will grow up. And if you have children, you don't want to be forced to only put things in their body that aren't good for them. You can learn how to control what your, your children eat. Mm -hmm. uh, question number two is, um, where do you, where do you, uh, what, are you what are your top three favorite brands so these are just brands yeah so places that you you spend money at these businesses or stores and uh, and you're happy to like you just you know you like these brands as far as like grocers it maybe? can be whatever i mean it, it, it can be unrelated to cooking it can just be whatever these are just like outside of the subject questions oh man you, you got me on cooking you know i'm gonna have to switch gears that quick mm -hmm. if we're talking food Obviously, H-E-B, because I'm just from San Antonio, I can't help myself. So when I, when, I'm, when I do get home or even to Houston, I have to stop there. I like their quality and their price. Um, but I have lately gotten into being in love with uh, farmer's markets. You know, anything that's homegrown where I know nothing's been added to it, you know, and just tasting the, the pureness of it. It is a difference, an extreme difference in quality. Oh, wow. Third because I'm still thinking about food. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, can, we can play that then. How, how about restaurants? Like, we, we can stick with food and restaurants and places. Well, restaurants, I would say, I love, especially any city that I'm in. I'm using Dallas just because this is where we are. I don't prefer um, your cookie cutter mom and pops types, you know. Anybody knows I have a slight bias, you know. I, I prefer, as far as Dallas, I like culture. So for me, I find that the culture and the spirit and the, and the taste of Dallas is more so in like Oak, Oak Cliff, Bishop Arts. I prefer that. So when you take me into those eateries around there, that's really where I get excited because mm -hmm. it's not some, those are places that have restaurants that you just can't find that on every street corner. Mm -hmm. You know, non-franchise, mom and pop shops that have been around and these have been recipes that have been passed down from family to family. You know, they have mm -hmm. community, community connections and stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, let's shout out your top three of those then. So Ooh, top gosh, three, that's top hard. Just, just top three. We know, we, we know some of them. Could I don't be, know could if be, it could be top three. It can be food trucks too. It can be whatever. But mm, That's too hard. I don't know. I, let me, I can't say top three. All right. Have, list as many as you like then. <sighs> Anywhere. 
mm-hmm. right? Mm. I can't do that. Let me just tell, uh, let me shout out what I've tried recently. Let me, let me shout that. I love that that uh, vegan spot we tried a couple weekends. Like I literally have been talking about it. It was very good. I forgot um, the name of it. I think it was Love Eat. That's sad. Love Eat Pray or Pray Love, something like it's that. It's over in DeSoto Marketplace. Yeah, it's in DeSoto Marketplace. So for those of you who want to try some very good vegan food with flavor, that was jam-packed with flavor. It was very good. In the same area, um, in the parking lot, they have a food truck called Shells and Tells to Go. They are wonderful if you uh, love seafood, Cajun Creole cuisine. Man, that crab box, pound for pound, <laughs> it can't be beat. It can't be beat. Um, I like... Um, what is that place called? Um, well, let me just say Bishop Arts District, period. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love, love, love Bishop Arts District. I'm really wanting to try uh, the Kessler Baking Studio. It's a Kessler Park. But Emporium Pies, I definitely, you like pie. That's a great pie place. What's that cake place that we went oh, to? Oh, Cake Bar in Trinity Grove. I like that. I like that place a lot. Really nice lady. Talked to that owner. The fact that she offered hummingbird cake, only a Southerner understands. Well, you cannot, in Texas, you know, again, we go into regions. Not everybody's familiar with the hummingbird cake. So the fact that you could get that was amazing to me. So yeah, they were good, but and I don't know if I can narrow down. I, okay, no, that's good. That was, that was three good ones. All right. Question number uh, number three is where do you get your news inf- and information? I'm, I guess I'm old because Philip knows I still watch the news a lot in the morning. It's just part of my wake up routine. Social media, mm-hmm. um, internet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, shows you like to watch so whenever you want to turn off your brain and and not think what do you like to uh, uh specific well, shows too thanks to grandma since nine years old i've been watching the stories <laughs> young and the restless i've been faithful yeah so young and the restless um blackish grownish those are two excellent shows and this is us excellent show excellent writing on all three of those shows okay and last question is top three books you've read all time or recently? Oh God! Um, the one that I'm reading by Michael Twitty, the food uh, historian, culinary historian. I'm going blank on the title just because you asked me, but it's I'm at the end of it. Um, I, I I don't know. I'm going. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up. What's, what's his name? His name is Michael Twitty. Michael Twitty. The Cooking Gene. I want to okay. say is what it's called. Becoming. Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. And your retirement investment 101 book's pretty good. I like that it's quick and short for people like me. <laughs> I appreciate that shout out. Yes, it's the cooking gene, Michael Tweedy. Okay. Well, sweetness, that wasn't that bad, was it? It wasn't that painful. See? Yeah. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much for having me. And I just want to put it out there that I'm not a cooking guru just yet. I'm a good cook, but I've got a lot to learn. I'm pretty sure you're like, top three on the list of everybody who I know. And I know some pretty good well, I, I thank you, but I've got to expand my horizon a little bit more, but thank you.